So will you please open up your, your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're going to be going over uh, the first five verses of John chapter 1. It's always good to go back to the basics. But it is important for us to be reminded of the basics of our faith. <clears throat> before I start, before we start there, uh, just swing over to John chapter 4, verse 22. John chapter 4, verse 22. <clears throat> and all of you are familiar with this story, in which John... Um, John tells the story of, of Christ coming to the Samaritan woman and addressing her, uh, addressing her sin. And, and in verse 19, the woman says, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain. The Jews said that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, verse 21, one Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship I'm sorry, when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. That's a key phrase right there because according to the Samaritans, they had a worship going on. Okay, they had worship going on. So some time ago in the book, uh, The Ultimate Priority, um, it tells the story of a, Mex- a new Mexican woman. A woman from New Mexico who was frying, a tor- frying tortillas. And she noticed that the skillet somehow burned something on the tortilla and it happened to be the face of Jesus, according to her. Okay, So she was all excited to show her husband and family. They all, they all agree that the face H on the tortilla was, from, was Jesus. So excited, she goes to the priest. Um, and the priest says, well, I guess it looks like Jesus. And she asked the priest to bless the tortilla, right? Well, he was reluctant, and he did, though. He did bless the tortilla and then went back home and put the tortilla in a bowl and put cotton under the tortilla so it looks like it was floating in the clouds, right? So later on, friends came and neighbors and all that, and all of a sudden you have a huge line. Um, of people uh, of visiting the shrine of the Jesus of the tortilla. So they all agree that it was Jesus, uh, and it just can help to think that it was, you know, this scripture comes to mind. You, uh, we, we worship what we don't know. And, um, and so it was, it was really a, a kind of an extreme for us. Obviously, I don't see ourselves worshiping a tortilla or anything like that. Um, but in 1994, Time again reports of, uh, and that is Time magazine, which is a secular magazine, reports that they went to a church service. And it was, um, and after the usual scripture reading, they started clearing the, uh, the floor, moving the chairs and everything, so that, um, so that worship will begin. So then you start hearing laughter. Uh, twitching, they will throw themselves on the floor, start laughing, and it was just uh, a big show in the in the church. And then so for them, they start. Some of them even start shaking, 
some of them were roaring like lions. And it was uh, something for, for Time Magazine, it was something to behold. Uh, but according to them, they were worshiping. But it's, it's the worship what they don't know. So the big question is, how do we guard ourselves from, a, from, I guess, moving in that direction? Or how do we help our friends that perhaps have adopted a tortilla theology? They see Jesus everywhere, right? How do we f- help our friends, and how do we guard ourselves? So where do, where do we start, right? Where do we start in adopting a true uh, theology? Because uh, Jesus tells, um, tells us that he's worshiping. Uh, he's look, the Father's looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. That we find that in the in the in the same chapter in chapter one. But how do we guard ourselves? And I think it's scripture is where we start. Okay, it's scripture where we start, and we'll learn we'll learn later on that that um, uh, as the book of the whole John John unpacks everything in in, in these few verses from verse one to five. Uh, the Gospel of John is just being unpacked from those from those verses. So it is important for us to have a proper knowledge of God if we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. There's a spiritual element. There's also a head element to our worship. So why is this so important? Well, the deity of Christ is a non-negotiable. Okay, we can't get that wrong. If we get the first five verses of the book of John, we get we we move into a cult. A lot of cults get this wrong the first few verses, and they worship what, what they don't know. So if we start the deity of Christ is non-negotiable, so we need to start there. It, it is how important is it? But John chapter eight verse twenty-four reminds us. It says, "Therefore I say to you that you will die." In your sins, if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So it is a true understanding of God is crucial, you know, because it's a matter of life and death spiritually. So we're introduced here of our Savior and the deity of Christ here in the first few verses. Now, why why do we learn this? Why do we need to learn uh, so? These basic truths. John chapter twenty gives us the theme of the whole the book of John. He tells us that, uh, in fact, turn really quick to ch- uh, John chapter twenty. So when you read the Gospel of John, you gotta we gotta have this in mind. John chapter twenty. Verse 30. And I'm reading from the New King James. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But he says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing it, you may have life in his name. These are written. This is He's not asking you to come up with Signs and wonders, visions, or anything. He's not asking you to believe those things, dreams, or anything. He said these are written so that you may believe um, Scripture. So let's go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. 
So I want us, uh, the goal of this morning is I want us to have a true uh, understanding, a true perspective of Christ. I want us to come, to, you know, for us to worship in spirit and truth. We want to stay away from strange theologies in in um, in our lives, and even perhaps help others who are in that in that area. So this morning we're gonna be. Uh, Going, uh, going, uh, talk about his Christ pre-existence, Christ, uh, his creative power, and his self-existence. Because if we remember, if we get this wrong, this verse is wrong. You just start a cult. Understanding this is crucial for us. So let's read chapter one, first, the first few verses. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or overcome it. So, we see here in the first few verses, uh, let's go back to verse 1, it's Christ's pre-existence and in the beginning. Uh, it is not, it's interesting that John starts there as opposed to his the other Gospels started with his birth. The other, other Gospels started it a different way, but John wanted to start there with Christ's deity. In the beginning, we're reminded of John, uh, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So the expression will be familiar for the for the audience. But here we have it, something that goes beyond our understanding. In the beginning was the word. We're given an insight of the of God's Christ's existence or pre existence. In other words, he existed. This word was describes he's the fact that he is eternal. In the beginning was the word. He he existed, indicates that he was he always existed. He always was there. There's not a time in which he did not exist or started existing. And that is a very a, a verb that is used by John. John chapter 8 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Or before Abraham came to be, I am. So now, interesting, this simple phrase made the Jewish leaders start throwing rocks at him. But Why? Because he understood that he was claiming eternality, and in doing so, he was claiming deity. So he went for for that. He was being he was going to be um, stoned to death. There's another word here. There's another important thing we need, we need to need to understand. In the beginning was the word the logos. The word logos is it's in the in the Greek is the is the logos the word. Um, why not use the name of Jesus? Why use this interesting word, logos, or the word? Um, in other translations, translate as the verb. But why, 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 why go there? Why not say, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God? Why not? Well, I think John was addressing an audience, both Jewish and Greeks, so the word for the Greeks was very impersonal. It was in a, it was an abstract principle. There is a force behind 
the creative order, but it was very impersonal. There was nothing. Um, you, a lot of you watch Star Wars, right? And remember, a lot of them says, um, made the force be with you was because of that, that Greek uh, philosophy. It goes back to Greek philosophy, in which it was the force was very impersonal. There's something there you can feel it, but it was uh, it was very impersonal. So the universe was created by this force. Source of wisdom came from this impersonal force. And, uh, and so, but for the Jewish community, it was different. Because by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. So for them, uh, the, the, the Jewish community had understood this as the divine power and wisdom. But there was, there was this person behind it. So for the Greeks, the word was very common. But what John was saying, this is not an abstract principle. This is not, wisdom is not by this abstract force. It is a real person. A person that is there. For the Jewish community, they understood that as, yes, we know that there is a real person. God is behind those, this creative order. But then uh, we see here, that uh, the the logos then so he the logos then becomes a, a real a real person a real person for them it was a real person now and interesting the verse look at with me in verse chapter I'm sorry chapter one verse fourteen okay so understanding that the Greeks said this is very impersonal right and the Jews says. Well, yeah, we know there's this a real person behind this creative order. And then John drops the bomb. It's like, well, and the word became flesh. This not uh, this what you call it impersonal. It's not impersonal. It's a real person that became flesh. A person now that is among the people of God in the world. So it was very... A very interesting concept for them to understand at that point. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Was with God. Why is that now? Why is that a big deal now? Now that we understand that in the beginning was the word, Christ was existed from way in the beginning, and now this word was with God. Okay? It rejects any notion that God is, um, let's say, as we know, the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. This person is being with and acting toward another person, and this other person is God. So there's, now, there's, now there's a separation there. There's a separation there. Now, we understand that separation, right? Because if we don't, what will we, what will we become? A modalist, right? Someone who thinks that God is one person and acts in three different modes. One day, um, the Father, the next thing, um, Jesus, I put a different mask, and then I'm going to put another mask for the Holy Spirit. But it's only one person. So, so uh, John is saying, no, no, in the beginning was the Word, from the very beginning, and this this person, this person that we're gonna that John said we're gonna talk about this person, the whole Gospel of John, 
was with God. Two separate entities there. Two separate persons there. He's, he's acting with God. He's living with God. Not only, uh, he, he just described a, a person that existed with God from the beginning. And so, I'm, I'm sure the audience is scratching their heads. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Another person with God? Tell me more about it. So that's what John is moving toward, moving in that direction. Now, when I say modalist, this is what we, this is what a lot of churches believe. They're modalists. They are moving, uh, they believe of one person in three different modes, three different phases. And that's what has been already condemned by the church. This is not different theologies. This is heresy. This is, it was being condemned was by the early church as heresy. But nowadays we don't, we don't see a problem with that. We think as just another brother, a, a kind of a twisted brother, but he's still a brother, right? Um, no, he's, he's that's heresy. So you now he, he's he's acting with God. He's he, he is with God. Um, and now John says, "In the Word was with God." So in the Word was God. In the Word was God. So now we have this person with God, separated from God. But it's also called God. How do you figure that? Right? And so that's what the whole book of, that's what the Gospel of John does the job to unpack everything we, we, we read here. So in the beginning was, with, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? Now some of you have family members, friends from Jehovah Witnesses that will say, no, no, no! You can't, you can't say that. You have to say the word was a God because there is no definite article before God. Okay, but make sure you tell them in a loving way, right? Um, tell them in a loving way. See, he agrees that um, to, for God to be definite, you don't need an article. Okay. You don't need an article. So now, pull your notes of what Jim has been teaching you about grammar. We're going to go over this stuff. And you don't need a definite article before God to make God definite. God is definite in itself, so grammar demands it, right? It, It needs to be translated, and the word was God, okay? Tell them, remember, use your notes, tell them that the subject of the sentence is the word because God, that is in the predicate nominative, describes the nature of the word. Voila. And they're going to start scratching their heads. Then you say, you know, I'm going to tell you more. And they just tell them, interesting, because tell them you guys don't apply the same rules to verse 6, 12, verse 13, the same chapter. 18, chapter 3, and then we can go on because they violate their, their, you know, the same rules. So, um, so you tell them, no, no, no. Grammar demands us, and the word was God. He is God. So, 
John chose the right words to communicate the true nature, the true nature of Christ. The gospel will affirm that as we as, as we unpack the, the whole gospel. So we cannot think of Christ as just a mere human, someone that became was created. All of a sudden, this individual became to be, and that is not what John, right off the bat, describes. He's in the beginning. He he existed. He is with God, and he is God. Right. That's what John is saying. Verse two, it says he was in the beginning with God. Why the repetition? Why, why repetition? Remember, scripture repetition is not for the sake of just repetition. It is because for emphasis. Repetition is for emphasis. He was saying he was in the beginning with God. Two different people. Right? Interesting. We repeat ourselves. I repeat myself a lot of times just for the sake of it. Right? Um, but not scripture. Scripture is for emphasis. So I don't do for emphasis. I just because I forget something. <laughs> right? Here's what we learned so far. Uh, this is what we learned. The, uh, this is a distinct person from the Father. Otherwise, he could not be described as with God. Right? In absolute self-revelation from the Father, otherwise he could not be properly dis- uh, designated as the Word. So we have two people here. One essence and fellowship with the Father. Otherwise, we, he could not be represented as a eternally uh, being with God. And process of true equality with the Father. Otherwise, he could not be uh, spoken as being coexisting with the Father. Verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was made, and nothing was made that was made. That's, That's his creative power. Christ is... That creator in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, we are reminded of that. It says, by him all things were created, that in heaven and that on earth, visible and invisible. Where the thrones or dominions or principalities of powers, all things were created through him and for him. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 God, who at various times and various ways spoken in time past to the fathers by the prophets, he has in this last day spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And so, so the, the Greeks are thinking, okay, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So this is a real person. And for the Jewish community, they're thinking, wait a minute, that reminds me of the Old Testament, right? That reminds me of the Old Testament. Because I remember that the Jewish community will remember Psalm 1 to 2, where you founded the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. What kind of claim is this? Right? And someone else will say, oh, I remember Isaiah 40, verse 22. It says, do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, Yahweh, the Lord, the creator of the earth? Whoa. 
But you're telling me that this, that, that all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Yes. This person that was with God, that's the one that is also spoken as creator. And John in his scripture is saying, yes. Remember verse Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you, which you have ordained, the work of your fingers. Notice that both Old Testament and New Testament only mention one creator. Therefore, the fact that John says that Jesus is the creator, or the, the word, he's saying that Jesus is God. All things were made through him. That's another aspect of Christ as the creator. If he, if that is, if he created all things, he is God. Right? Verse, verse 4. His self-existence. Verse 4. But before we move to verse 4, okay, we know that that we introduce in verse uh, verse one and two, Christ the Word as God, who's you know He's existed eternally, and then verse three introduces Christ as the agent of creation and thus being God. Verse four, in Him was life, and the life was the light of man. Verse four, the fullness of life in Christ speak is, is gonna will be speaking of His deity. He speaks of His deity. And that's one of the themes of the Apostle John. Life and darkness. Light and darkness. And then in, 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 uh, this theme continues in the gospel, uh, in the, in first John as well. Those themes of light and darkness. So in the gospel of John, life refers to eternal life. The gift of God through his son. Okay. In him was life. The term life should not be taken in the broadest sense. It, it is it is spiritual. It has a spiritual dynamic to it. Okay, uh, he's in him there was life. It is there's life in the logos. There's life in this person who exists separate from the Father. Now, what is life? What is life? If I ask you, is what's life? Right. I think a lot of us we have many definitions of what's life. But I think you would agree that life is the quality and essence of being. And it's like, oh, okay, I can see that. Can I say that life is the energy and power of being, the force and the principle of being, right? So everything, if we don't have life, we're dead, basically. So we need that life. We need the life to, to live on this earth. But here's here's more than just the physical aspect of life. We're talking about also the spiritual aspect of of life. We want to say that Christ is the source of life. He is the very quality of life, the very essence of life, the power and the force of life, the principle of life. He's everything. Christ is everything. There's life in him, within his very being. All things exist and have their being in him. Nothing is apart from him. Christ is the very purpose of life. He's the meaning of life, the significance of life. Whatever life is and all that that's life is in Christ. So everything that we know about life is in Christ. 
whether it is spiritual or physical, is in Christ. He's just, John just was telling us. Okay? So, another thing we have to uh, consider is verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness. Right? And the light shines. And him was life, and the life was the light of man. And this light shines in the darkness. What darkness? What, what, what is John talking about as darkness? Um, John chapter 8, verse 12, tells us what that means. John chapter, John chapter 8, I'm sorry, John chapter 8, verse 12, this is what it means. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. But we'll have, we'll have the light of life. Interesting, that goes, reminds us of Psalm 36. For with you the fountain of life, in your light we see light. Life and life are two metaphors that are used to communicate God's truth and, and holiness. So God's truth, it's spoken there. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. Verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9 says, That was the true light which gives light to every one coming into this world. Chapter 3, verse 19, it says, And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. The light continually shines. It's, it's, it's active. In him was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shines. Because the theme, uh, here we see here in verse, verse 5, because the theme of Christ's deity here, um, we see that he was, the light shines in the darkness, right? The light, which light? His, his light. It's a great spiritual overtone here, you know. He's the only one who possesses life in himself. And this life is the light of humanity. Whether we like it or not, his life, his light. And that's why it's uh, this light then. John is claiming deity, of Christ, the deity of Christ. It is the same light that broke through our sinfulness when we were dead. In trespasses and sins. It is that light that broke through us. We lived in darkness. And because of that light. We now see. That's why it says. And the light shines in the dark. And in him was life. And the life was the light of man. Now. How do we know? How do we know that abortion is wrong? Who told us? Right? Who told us that's wrong? Who told us that. That stealing is wrong. Right? Who told us that to pray for our leaders? Right? Interesting. Why is it that when we are saved, we don't do the things that we did before? Right? Somehow, this light is something we are able to see bigger things. We're able to see other things. Now we move away from what we now call the darkness. 
But who gave us that? Who gave us that light? Did we come up all of a sudden? Did we just roll over and voila? No, it was it was uh, acting power of God. When we say, God gave me that light for me to see, for me to perceive error from truth, to be able to see right and wrong, God gave me that light. But John is telling you, yeah, and that light comes from Christ. That light comes from Christ. Why you have light in chapter 12 says, why you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. And Matthew says, you are the light of the world, a city on the, set on a hill. Let your light shine before man. And the darkness says that not, did not, and my version says did not comprehend. It really means more to overcome. The darkness did not overpower this light. Turn with me to, it's the last thing we're going to see, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. This is what the light did for us. And we already touched on this a little bit. But it is such a great reminder. Uh, every time we read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and, and the other verses, you have to remind us what Christ has done for us. Okay, we, we, we moved from darkness to light because of his light. And you were made alive. You were who were dead in, in trespasses and sins. You were dead. Couldn't do, we couldn't do anything. We could not breathe holiness. We, cannot, we couldn't trust our best five minutes in this world to save us. Um, in which you uh, once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sense of disobedience. It says, by nature you were children of wrath. The wrath of God dwelled because you, know, you were just children of wrath. Uh, by nature, but God, who is rich in mercy, <clears throat> because of His great love, which He loved us when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. Right? That is describes our salvation. It's a description. It is the power of the light. John chapter twelve says, "Walk while you have the light, so that darkness would not overtake you." He who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. So if you walk in the light, you will walk in God's holiness. So now, let's go back to the beginning. We talked about Christ's pre-existence, his creative power, and his self-existence. Now, again, you know, why do we start there? Why did John have started there? John's, book, John's gospel was written uh, long after the other gospels. Okay? So he was addressing a different audience. 
And I think the audience resembled much like our society with different beliefs. God, he was dealing with Greek, a Greek society and Jewish society. Both were in the same, um, uh, in the same cities. The Greek philosophy it was ingrained in the whole society, right? And so the Jewish community had their own, um, their own community, meaning their own worship. So John was addressing both. So, uh, you know, my theory is by the time we got to re- write in the Gospel of John, John is dealing with a lot of heresy already in the, in, in the church or infiltrating. That's why he has to start where he was starting. He's saying Christ is not just a human, just any human. He's not just a good teacher, right? He, he is God. He was in the beginning with God, right? He is acting. In fact, John just reminded the Jewish community, when we talked about the creator, Christ created those things. And this Word became flesh. Right. And this word became flesh. Uh, let's pray. Father, um, from a human perspective, we, uh, we see this as simple truths that we have heard so many times. But if we get this wrong, we, we will not be able to worship you in spirit and truth. I pray that for the next following days, Lord, that those truths will continue to be um, in our minds. We want, our, we want to honor you with our lives, but we've got to have the right perspective of who Christ is. We've got to have the right understanding. Help us, Lord, to to do that. It is Christ who saved us. And because, because he saved us, he deserves to be worshipped. And because, but we must worship him truly. Anything else would be idolatry. We thank you for our lives. We thank you for our salvation. Amen.